December 25th is coming just in a few days. And we mark that date, we circle it, we put exclamation points by it. We even build Advent candles that lead us to that date. And it's maybe in our culture and in our faith the most important of all dates, December 25th. So how disappointing is it to you to remember that that's not really Jesus' day of birth? Hmm. That's not when he was born. In fact, it's lost to history when he was born. It uh, is connected to the winter solstice. It was in 336 A.D. that the church borrowed December 25th from a Roman holiday that was celebrating the solstice or the shortest day of the year. And it was just a way to connect it to a time that you could put on the calendar since we were unsure of when Jesus was born. Probably more in the spring, but that's unclear. So December 25th, that's the date, and it's connected to the shortest day of the year. It's a, a time when it is the darkest in the world, especially, of course, in the northern hemisphere. In some places far up north on this day, the sun is only a slight glow in the southern sky, but the sun never really comes up if you're above the Arctic Circle. There's always been a celebration around this time of the year in all of those northern countries because that was the day when they were praying the most fervently for the coming of the light, for the sun to return to come back. And if they didn't light their bonfires or have candles burning or if they didn't do some ritualistic dance, they were afraid that the sun would never return. And so they gave their mightiest to make the day an important day that the sun would be coming back and that the light would return. And so how fitting it is that this time around the winter solstice that we celebrate the coming of the light in Jesus Christ. And it is in the prediction of all of the darkness that we know is about us in our lives today, but also the prediction of the darkness that we hear in all of the prophetic voices. I don't know if you've noticed, but every hymn or song that we have sung so far today, most every one of them had some allusion to the prophetic word being fulfilled. You hear that especially in Romans chapter 16, where it is talking about how God's spoken word was fulfilled in Christ Jesus. It is the darkest of times in Judea, in Bethlehem, because God has been silent for 400 years. From the end of the book of Malachi, the prophet Malachi, who spoke words of judgment, who spoke words of destitution upon the people who were unfaithful, ends those four small chapters at the very last book in the Old Testament 
with the hope that God will dawn a new day and send a Savior. And then there is 400 years and there is no prophetic word from God. It is darkness and it is silence. Until, if you remember reading last, hearing the word read last week from Luke chapter 1, when Elizabeth and Zechariah were having their baby, the baby who became John the Baptist, that it was when he took up that baby that Zechariah said this. And he's singing out his excitement that God is finally sending this Messiah that had been announced clear back 400 years ago. And so he takes his son called John in his arms and he says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. It was what Malachi had said. And this tiny newborn, later to be called John the Baptizer, will be the long-awaited prophet who heralds the coming of the Messiah. 400 years of darkness are ending, and the sun of righteousness is about to rise. And so he goes on, Zechariah, talking to his son. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. How fitting it is that we celebrate the birth of Jesus who is the Messiah come on the shortest days and darkest days of the year. Because this is a time when we just begin to think about looking through the seed catalogs anticipating spring. This is the time of the year when we begin to get a sense of hopefulness that the days are going to get longer and it's going to become warmer day by day and that the light will shine longer week by week. So Jesus is the dawn from on Most High. But it's not for everybody. This is a time of the year that is especially difficult for people. A friend of mine wrote about her experience of this phrase, dawn of the Most High, that you hear in Malachi and you hear repeated in the New Testament and you hear affirmed in Romans 16. This is what she wrote. The reference to Jesus as a dawn from on high just gives me goosebumps. There's a promise there, a promise of fresh starts and having darkness behind us. I can relate to that. It speaks of hope, hope that mysteriously led me one foot in front of the other through months of deep depression, that helped me be sane after a divorce, and today says, 
God, the wild and adventuring one, isn't finished with you yet. Jesus, who came to be with us in humanity to take the weight of sin and free us to live, is that sunrise now breaking in on the darkness of life. This is why we celebrate Jesus and Jesus' birth at the darkest time of the year, so that our minds can turn from the darkness to the light and be encouraged. For some people, though, they can't see any light coming. And they don't experience that hope that John spoke of. The peace, the love, the joy just isn't there. And we sometimes forget this in our cheerful going about saying, Oh, Merry Christmas! Listen to what was written by Dorothy Zhu several years ago as a Christmas prayer. This is what she prayed. It's Christmas, Lord, the season to be joy and all that. But some of us aren't so jolly. It's time for families to be together, to sing, I'll be home for Christmas. But Lord, you know some of us don't do together well. And some of us find it very difficult to shop for Aunt Jane and Grandpa. Our minds are so worried and our bodies so wearied. We can't cope with the crowds and carols at the mall. It's a temptation, Lord, to just skip it. To refuse to decorate a tree or send a card or purchase a single present. It takes tremendous strength for some of us to say Merry Christmas this year more strength than some of us even possess. And that's exactly why you came, isn't it, Lord? Amen. Well, Dorothy had it right, that that's exactly why he came. And it was to punch holes in the darkness, to create spots of light and encouragement and hope for each person who doesn't know hope, that we have to have examples, we have to have encouragement, or else we all would feel so despondent and fall into despair so deeply. Our whole culture, our whole world is in grief and mourning now because of all of the things that are going on, joblessness, people who are losing their homes, all of those things that we read about in the daily drab newspapers. Where is there hope in what we read? And it is that the dawn of the new day is coming, that the son of dawn is the majestic child born in a manger. This is why he came, and this is why we celebrate his birth here on December 25th. Robert Louis Stevenson, famous author, thinker, was age 12 when this story occurs. He had his pajamas on, and it was bedtime, 
And his governess came and was putting the other children to bed and, and saw that he was standing on his bed looking out the window. And she said, it's time to go to bed now. And she went on to take care of the other children. And she came back about 10 minutes later. And he was still standing on his bed, peering out of the window. And she said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm watching out the window and there's a man who's going down the avenue and he's lighting the gas lights at each place down the road and he's cutting holes in the darkness. And that's what we are called to do. We are called to cut holes in the darkness. The light of the world has come. And we know that light to be that baby Jesus who is God with us. That's affirmed in the Gospel of John. It's reaffirmed by Paul in Romans 16. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. And that's the word of hope and encouragement. That we can become one who lights the candles that cuts holes in the darkness in other people's lives. In talking yesterday with Larry Waters' daughter, Michelle, she talked about her father-in-law, who's from Guatemala. And in Guatemala, the hospitals don't have the kind of care that we have there. You have to have a family member bring in your meals. You actually, your family member has to go down to the drugstore and get the medications. None of that is provided. The bandages. There are no nurses to wipe you when you mess. And so her father-in-law each year returns to Guatemala for a few months, taking his own money, and he finds people who don't have family. People where there is no one to care for them. And he buys the necessary supplies. He brings them food, and yes, he cleans them up when they mess. He is cutting holes in the darkness of people who would otherwise be completely in despair. And so what about you? What can you do to cut holes in the darkness? How can you bring light and encouragement into the world? To share with people your faith that God has come to save the world in the baby Jesus. And how can you use that as a word of encouragement so people can be lifted out of their darkness, whatever it might be? Or that you might be lifted from your darkness, for indeed we all have periods of darkness. And then you can just rejoice in the reality that the dawn of righteousness is coming. All of the hymns that we sing around Christmas time either talk about the, the prophetic announcement that God will send a Savior or a description of that Savior. And dawn of righteousness is in that great hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I want you to read that with me. 
Open your hymnals to 185. It is just amazing as you begin to understand the story how these hymns speak to us on a different level. These aren't just fanciful words that a, that a poet wrote, but these are images from the Bible that give us pronouncements of hope and joy. It's in verse 3 of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that we no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. Let's sing that third verse, would you, Dennis? Paul writes his great benediction at the end of Romans. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. It was hidden for 400 years and then it was the dawn of a new day. We call it Anno Domini. A.D. Time is broken in half. We speak of all that came before and all that comes after the birth of Jesus. And all of the world has adopted this calendar and that this speaks not of his death but of his birth. In the year of our Lord, Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And so this again is the year of our Lord as we celebrate his coming, not that he came, but that he comes as the dawn of righteousness, cutting holes in the darkness that we might all have life and have it abundantly. I'm going to teach you a response that I like to use. 
Sometimes when I end a sermon like this, I say, what is there left to say except? And then we all say together, thanks be to God. So having heard this message, what is there left to say then except? Thanks be to God. Amen.